from that a little bit. Um, but it's a, that video, guys, was from the early 90s, I think, is when they did it. So um, it's cr- kind of crazy that that's still valid today, isn't it? Don't buy stuff you can't afford. Um, so my name's Rich Lorenzo. I was reached on, the coll- on a college campus just like this here in Manhattan where K-State is located. I was reached at KU as a grad student when I was in law school and I was getting my MBA in finance. Um, and man, somebody preached the gospel to me. And then I started learning, I, I started getting equipped and uh, learning how to be a disciple of Jesus. And so I'm here today, um, 18 years later, um, a person that was reached on the college campus. So it's great to see all these young faces and older faces because um, uh, we all do get old, right? And <laughs> now at 44 years old, it's amazing how fast time flies. Um, so this morning, I hope that the words I'm going to speak to you uh, will move you to understand that God owns everything and that we are to be faithful stewards of the money and possessions that he has entrusted to us. Um, there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible. All right, here we go. It's all right. All right, there's over 2,000 verses in the Bible that deal with money and possessions. Obviously, God thinks, God thinks money and possessions are important. Jesus liked to speak in parables, and almost half of them were about money and possessions. Jesus spoke more about money and possessions and how to use them more than he did about heaven and hell. And we always hear, oh, heaven and hell, end times, ooh, spooky. And it's like, man, Jesus talked more about money and possessions. He spoke, in in fact, one out of every six verses in Matthew, Mark, and Luke is about material possessions. Just go through it sometime and just do that. Just do the math. It's amazing. Um, I think we can conclude that God thinks that money is an important topic. And over the years, I've found that our relationship with money and possessions really has an incredible amount to do with our relationship with God, um, how we handle our money and possessions, and where our heart is in, in with those things. So let's dive in, and let's start with just who created everything. Basic, you know, even if you're not a Christian, you might believe this, and this is good. Um, but in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, so throughout Genesis 1, we see that God created everything. He created the grains of sand, every star in the galaxies. There was nothing that God didn't create. In Genesis 1, this, the Bible starts out and tells us that he created everything. But then we go and, you know, I, I, w- I was thinking, my daughter recently, um, my 13-year-old daughter, she likes to write. And she wrote a play recently. And she, cre- she created that play, and they used this play, and, it, and, and they, won, they won this competition. And I thought, and she is the owner. She was a creator, right? So naturally, she owns the rights to that play. My sister-in-law, she has a jewelry business on Etsy, and she makes all kinds of handmade jewelry, really cool stuff. She is a creator, and she also owns that jewelry until she sells it, right? So in 1 Chronicles 29, 11, and 12, we see who owns everything. It says, everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as, as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. And then in Psalms 24.1, he goes on, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So who owns everything? It's not a, yeah, God. God, right? God didn't create everything and then turn his back on creation. The concept that God is the owner of everything may be easy to say, but it's often very hard for us to get it from our head to our hearts and to really believe that God is the owner. Think of, I mean, just if you can understand that God owns everything, that means everything you have is not yours. And that par- that, just let that, that paradigm shift. 
You know, the, the, church, the church is a place where we're supposed, it's supposed to equip the saints for the work of service. Today, my hope is that we're going to take some, get some practical lessons here and how we are to live. I mean, this is the church's job, to equip you to go out and live according to the Bible and to tell others about that, you know, for you guys to go out and do the work. And so this, is, this, is, this concept of God owning everything is, can, can be very transformative if you can get this down to your heart. So if that's the case, God created everything and he owns everything, well, what's our role then? What's our role in that? And our role is as stewards. In 1 Corinthians 4.2, we see, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. They be found faithful. So if God possesses everything, we're simply entrusted with our possessions. We are therefore managers, stewards, trustees, not owners. We're trustees. That's another word, a legal term, right? So, so what is a steward? A steward, their key responsibility is to care for another's property or their affairs, to care for somebody else's affairs. Um, they have a privileged and trusted position, but they have no rights, only responsibilities. A very, I mean, it's a very privileged position, but you have no rights, just responsibilities. Can anybody think of an example of a good steward in the Bible? Actually, a great steward. Anybody? Joseph. Joseph. Yeah, great, great one, Rob. Um, in Genesis 39, 5 and 6, listen to this, how, how it's so nicely put. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian, which is talking about Potiphar, because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. And I love this next part. With, Joseph's, with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except what he was going to eat for dinner. That's so, wow. He did not concern himself with anything. Like that's, man, that's a lot of trust, right? That's, that's the kind of trust I wish that, man, I want God to have that kind of trust in me. That man, Rich is, man, Rich has got it. He knows what he's doing. He's being a faithful steward. So to illustrate this, I need a volunteer um, to do this next illustration. So Richie, come on up. I saw you raising your hand back there, really urgent, wanting to come up here. So this morning, I'm going to give Richie a checkbook, okay? Richie, why don't you read how much money I have in this checkbook here? $5,000. $5,000. I'm going to give this checkbook to Richie, and I'm going to call it the Richie Discretionary Fund. Here you go, Richie. There you go. It's got $5,000. Richie, this is the instructions that I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you some very important instructions here, and I want you to follow them, okay? I want you to use this money to love hurting people, okay? I want you to help people who maybe need a meal. Maybe pay for somebody's electric bill. Maybe help someone who is down and out with rent. Help a single mom buy some groceries. Maybe a homeless man who needs a bus ticket or a college student maybe needs to get home. Maybe use some money, some of this money to buy cleaning supplies for a widow's backyard. Help clean up her area around her house. What I want you to do is I want you to write down what you did with the money in that check register. See the blank, you know, there's all those little blanks there. There's, it's empty there. Yeah, I want you to write down who you gave that money to and what you, you know, what you did with that over the next three or four months. And then what I want to do is I'll come back in three or four months. I'm going to buy you lunch. And I want you to tell me the stories of what you did with that money line by line. Do you think you can do that? Yeah. Yeah? You, I, I mean, you can try. You can't, I don't want you spending the money on video games. I don't want you spending the money on junk. 
I want you doing, doing what, exactly what I told you to do. Okay? So if Richie is acting as a good steward, what is Richie going to likely start doing? I don't know if you guys are similar to me. I have this thing that I call like a caddy on my, um, on my dresser. I put my keys there, my wallet there, my watch there, my wedding ring every night. Before I go to bed, I put all the stuff there. My phone next, sits next to it. It's an easy way for me to remember. I, I never lose my stuff, right? I never lose my stuff because I keep it all there, right? You think Richie is probably going to put maybe this wallet, I hope. I mean, this checkbook, he's probably going to put close to his wallet. Do you keep your stuff together at night, or do you just throw it around your room? You just throw it around. All right. So, this is, Richie's going to get some good discipleship in trying to take good care of these things that we're giving him here. So, hopefully, he'll put it with his wallet, his watch, and his keys. He'll carry it with him everywhere, because he doesn't know when God's going to just going to open up an opportunity for him to spend this money, right? He's probably going to start asking himself, man, I wonder what Rich would want me to do with this money. In all likelihood, Richie's going to become more faithful in handling my money than his own. I hope he's going to handle my money wisely. Um, I bet over time, Richie and I are going to become pretty good friends as he you know, meets with me every three or four months and tells me stories of how he has used this money and to, to bless people and help people. And I'm likely going to have more and more trust in Richie, and I may end up entrusting him with more money to steward over time. Um, Thanks, Richie. Actually, this checkbook was Jonathan, so I, I have to get back to him. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, now, isn't the dynamic of Richie and I's relationship in this scenario exactly the dynamic that God wants to have in his relationship with you? Think about that. Your eyes might be more open, and you would be asking yourself, what would Jesus want me to do in this situation? Does he want me to help this person? Does he want me to help this, 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 this widow in need, this person who's struggling right now? Richie's eyes are going to be looking for opportunities to help people and meet their needs. Sounds like what Jesus did, right? He was walking around. Man, that person needs my help. Man, I need to go help this person. Man, this person's asking me for help. I, I need to go help that person. Richie will likely become more faithful in handling the money that has been entrusted to him. His financial habits will likely change. Maybe the fact that he doesn't keep his wallet and his, all these other things together, maybe that's going to change because he's going to have responsibility to take care of that money. He might study the Bible more to figure out how to handle money more wisely. And Richie and Jesus are probably going to become better friends, right? Because he's spending time in the Word, learning what, and, and trying to help people and serve people. He, and, and likely, if Richie's doing a good job, he's going to, God's going to entrust more of his assets to Richie because he has been a faithful steward. You know, guys, how you use your financial resources is critical in showing where your heart is. God doesn't need your money. I mean, he owns everything, right? He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. The Bible says you can't serve both God and money. So you're going to have to decide which one are you going to serve. So once we get our mind right and see the importance of stewarding well, here's where the practical stuff comes in. How can we cultivate a steward's mindset? I want you guys to have a, today, you know, in, in Romans 12 too, we see, you know, transforming your mind. You know, I want your mind to transform the way you look at money. Maybe you haven't looked at money the way where God owns everything. Or maybe you haven't handled your money as like a steward. Here's some things you can do to create a steward's mindset. Number one, I know these are going to be big, con really, really, really hard concepts. Spend less than you earn. That's a hard concept, Right? In this, in this society where we feel, seems like it's just, man, we're just bombarded constantly with just 
ads. You need this. You need this. Buy this. Please wear me. Use me. Drink me. I mean, it's all these ads everywhere. And so, man, spend less than you earn. Save. The Bible says in Proverbs 21.20, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. You know, savings rate in the United States, back in in the 70s and 80s, the savings rate was upwards of almost 15% in the United States, where people were saving almost 15% of their income. The savings rate today, as as of December, was 2.5% in our country. Less, the statistics just recently, I, 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 uh, I'm still into business. I still like to dabble a little bit. And uh, I read the Wall Street Journal regularly. And they just had a, they had a statistic that less, I think 39% of Americans could only come up, if they had an emergency, only 39% of Americans would be able to come up with $1,000. 39%. And we're not saving. You've got to save. You've got to save money. Spend less than you earn. Number two. Another real difficult concept. Avoid the use of debt. I mean, debt has become, it seems like it's expected and unavoidable in our culture. In Proverbs 22.7, it says, the borrower is slave to the lender. Man, I don't want to be a slave. Romans 13.8, owe nothing to to anyone. Proverbs 3.26, don't say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. So what do a couple of those verses mean? I mean, man, that last verse... And if you have, you should, man, be trying to get out of debt as fast as possible if you have debt, if you have debt today. A couple came to me a couple years ago, and they were struggling. They're at their wits end. They owed $60,000, and they said, man, I, we're done. We want to, you know, man, they have done what they could to get. They're all, I think they got their debt down to 20 thousand dollars now. In just two years, they've been fighting, fighting, fighting to get their debt. Man, promptly, pay your debt back promptly if you have any debt. Get it done. Get rid of it. This morning I looked just because I like to every so often look at the numbers. The US, if you're ever interested, usdebtclot.org, it's just a constant clock that just runs. We, as a country, we have $21 trillion in debt. Does anybody know how many zeros that is? 12. 12 zeros. $21 trillion this morning as a, as a country. Personal debt, personal debt in the United States, $19 trillion. Of that, trillion is student loans, and 1 trillion is credit card. The other is, most of it is mortgage, like house mortgage, house debt. But pay promptly, and man, try to get out of debt as fast as possible. I'm telling you, one of the things when I was working uh, in the business world, man, my wife and I, we had a few years that we did really well in business, we were doing well. Man, we just did everything we could, put big chunks on our house so that we could pay it off. And so at 40, I went into ministry, but I I didn't have any debt. Man, it makes it a lot easier. You can live on a lot less, even. So it's, man, we were just pounding. We just, every extra money we had, let's pay off our house. Let's get it done. Let's not have any debt. Number three, invest wisely. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. So some of you might say, well, Rich, you started two businesses. You're a lawyer. You've been educated. You've had a lot of experience in the business world. Do you know what? Before I make any big decision... I ask a lot of my, I talk to some friends that I feel like, man, they have wisdom and they have counsel. And I just say, hey, man, look, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Do you got any thoughts for me? Like, I, I don't make any decision by myself. People are like, man, you're older. You, man, you've done great. You've made a lot of money. Well, I don't make any decision by myself, especially big decisions. Like, I, I just bought a, I bought a new house six months ago out in the country. And, man, I talked to two or three people before I did it. 
Like, I was just like, what do you think of this? Is this going to be, hey, this is what I'm thinking about this? Man, it's important to do that. I asked my wife. I still meddle, pet, meddle. I still uh, meddle a little bit in the stock market with a couple industries, a couple that I kind of know well. And every time I see an opportunity, I, I, take, I like to take an option. I like to go ahead and buy some. But I asked my wife. My wife knows nothing about finances. But I asked her and I say, hey, Ann, what do you think about this? Like, do you think, do you feel any, do you want to pray and just let me know what you're thinking? If you're, because sometimes, man, she saved me from making some bad decisions over the years. She's, made, she's helped me make some really good decisions, and she saved me from making bad decisions because I listened to her counsel. Now, Ecclesiastes 11.2, but divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks may lie ahead. You know, some people are really good in one area, um, and I tell people um, always, I tell people that are asking me about by investments and stuff, invest in what you know. I have a lot of, uh, I work with a lot of millennials, and they know a lot about um, social media stuff and all that, and I know nothing about that. I'm not very good with Snap and Insta and all this other different stuff, but I ask them about it because I'm like, hey, what do you think about, like, tell me about Snap. You guys all use Snap all the time. Like, I want, and then I want to understand their business model so I can understand, do I want to invest in, in, in something like this? And usually I ask them because they know. I don't know anything about that. I'm good with oil and maybe mining area, but I'm not good with technology. So I usually try not to invest in technology unless I have somebody that I know that's really good, like maybe understood the whole Bitcoin thing, all that. But the other thing is, Maybe you're just really good in real estate, okay? And you just know real estate, and you're really good at it. Does real estate have bad times sometimes too? Yeah. So even if you're good in real estate, don't put all your eggs in that one basket. Spread yourself out a little bit into other areas. I mean, here the Bible's telling us, the Bible's telling us to divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks may lie ahead. Real estate may be a great investment for a period of time, but you don't want to put all your eggs in that basket. Number four, pursue biblical financial knowledge. You know, Proverbs 23, 23, buy the truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom, discipline, and understanding. Look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm very basically scratching the surface here with all the different things that you could learn from the Bible about, uh, about finances. But man, pursue biblical financial knowledge. Should you co-sign? Should you not? Should you do this? Should you, I mean, there's so many different things about finances that we're not going to cover today. But man, pursue biblical financial knowledge. Number five, set measurable goals and realistic plans and then let God multiply the resources. Um, you know, I think of here the, everybody's unfavorite word, budget. You know, like putting, or I, I like to say spending plan. Like telling your money what it's going to do. You're t when, by having a spending plan, you're telling your money, hey, go here, go there. Go there. Your money's not telling you where it's going to go. You have a plan. You have a, my, my wife and I used to always argue, well, I used to be upset because I was, you know, I care about money, and I don't like frivolous spending. And, of course, she would always like to go buy $5 Starbucks coffee. And that, to me, was frivolous spending. I, I've changed my thoughts a little bit on that. Um, we've had some good discussions about it. But anyways, um, so what we did, what we did is we said, okay, we're going to make sure we give our 10% at least. We're giving at least 10 and more, hopefully. We're going to save 10, and we're going to live on that 80, okay? Now, within that 80, we're going to put it in our spending plan. Okay, and we put in our spending plan money for coffee, right? And so now when there's, when there's spending for coffee, hey, go spend whatever you want on your coffee. As long as it's in the spending plan, it's good. It's all good. Nobody cares. No, there's, no, there's no judgment. There's no judgment if you want to spend a $5 coffee. 
it's all good. She said, well, Rich, what about your Mountain Dew that you drink every, every day for lunch? And I said, yeah, I know. That's a bad situation. Um, all right, but Proverbs 16.3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and, and, and He will establish your plans. Um, look, and even Proverbs 13.22, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Think about leaving an inheritance for your children's children. Does that require planning, you think? Yeah, it requires planning. It requires that you did a good job with your money. Point number five, give cheerfully and sacrificially. You know, this one, this one here, in Luke 21, 1 through 4, we see the great story there. It says, Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in her two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. The Pharisees gave out a pride in performance. The widow, she trusted God to provide. Right? And I always think of the, the we had a building campaign we did for the, our church in Lawrence way back when we were first building it. And our slogan was, not equal gift, but equal sacrifice. I love that. Not equal gift, but equal, but equal sacrifice. Where everybody was feeling the same amount. So if you made 3000 and you were given, maybe for you, a sacrifice was $300. That was, maybe that was your... But if a person that's making 300000 is really 30000 maybe maybe 30000 is a sacrifice for them. But maybe they could give more. So the idea was equal sacrifice. And I, I love that. And at the end of the campaign, the, the idea of being cheerful... We had a big treasure chest type thing we put up in the front. Man, and everybody, we put some loud worship music. We started singing and praising, and people were dancing down the aisles, throwing in their checks and money into the, into the man, that's the way God wants us to be. God wants us to be cheerful givers. Jonathan, you ought to start doing that at tithe time instead of doing the, instead of doing the baskets, you know? Just put the thing up here and let everybody come up and party and give. Man, say, hey, man, here, God, here you go. Dang, man, that's awesome. Maybe you guys should have start doing that. I don't know. Um, all right, two last points. Faithfulness matters, right? In, in Luke 16, 10 to 12, whoever can be trusted with very little can, be, can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with, dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you, not, um, and you, ha- if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? You know, how many of you, your parents told you when you were young, if you borrow somebody's stuff, leave it in better con- the same or better condition than when you return it? How many of you? Any? A few? Oh, most, man, parents are teaching good things these days. Wow, that's great. Well, we're teaching our kids that, and that's a tough concept sometimes. Like, they just want to, you know, they want to borrow something, and then they just leave it, like, trashed, and we're just like, guys, no. This is not, you want to be faithful with these little things. I'm looking, when I'm looking for people that I want to hire and people that I want to work with, I'm looking, man, have they been faithful? I might give them something small to see how they do. Because I I want to see, man, is this person going to be somebody who's going to be faithful with this little thing, which may be a minor thing, but if they're not faithful with that, man, I don't know if I want to trust them with bigger things in the future. Unfaithful stewards don't keep track of expenditures and spend money unwisely. Faithful stewarding usually leads to more responsibilities. I think we see that in the Bible with the examples of the talents and the cities, right? God gives people, give these guys some talents, some, some money, and he says, all right, go take care of it for me while I'm gone, and, or take care of these cities. And man, the ones that did a good job, what did he do? He gave them more. 
He took away from the one that had done poorly, and he gave the ones that, he gave the ones that did a good job more and said, man, you are trustworthy. The last one is be content. You know, 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. You know, be content with what God's given you. You may think, man, if I only had a little bit more money or a little bit more things, if I just had that car, if I just had, you know, this, man, be content where you're at. And be faithful with what God's given you. Maybe he's going to give you more. I think most of us really, you know, and a lot of times don't have a money problem. I think what we have is a management problem. You know, we're not managing our money properly and not stewarding it properly. I, I love that, um, I, love, I love this Proverbs 21.20. Stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. You know, I, I, I hate when I hear, Rich, I can't, leave my che- I can't leave any money in my checking account. I just have to spend it. I can't leave it. I just, man, if it's just there looking at me, it's just saying, spend, spend, spend. No, man, have some self-control. Like, seriously? Like, have some self-control. Don't be a stupid person that spends their money as fast as they get it. Man. The, the prayer of Augur in, in Proverbs 30, 8 through 9. Don't let me be too poor or too rich. Give me just what I need. If I have too much to eat, I might forget about you. If I don't have enough, I might steal and disgrace your name. I love that. I love the way that, 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 that said, that's so good. I want you today, I, I, want, I want us to consider things. I gave you guys a few points there that were important to, you know, and I, I went through them um, rather quickly. But this, is, this message really just to transform your thinking in the way you handle your money. If you can leave here with, God owns everything, and man, I need, to, I need to read the Bible and start learning what God, how God wants me to handle my money and steward the money that he's given me. Uh, that, man, if you can get that, man, you, you've gotten a lot today, you know? Um, one day as stewards, we're going to be called to account by God, and how are you going to answer when you're up? When you're up, how are you going to be called? How are you going to answer with, when God says, man, how did you spend the money I gave you? How did, you spend the, how did you take care of the possessions I gave you? You know, He gave you this nice car. Are you willing to, I, would you be willing to let somebody use it sometimes? Like, man, their car's broken. A student's car's broken, and they need, to get, you know, they need to get to work for the next week while their car is repaired. Are you willing to share your car? It's not yours. Are you willing to do that? Man, maybe somebody, maybe somebody got kicked out of their house, or maybe some situation they don't have a place to live. You got an extra bedroom. Are you willing to let somebody stay in God's house? It's not yours. You know, are you content with what you have? Are you good? Are you just good? Like, man, I'm good. I'm good where I'm at. And third, like, what is one practical step you can take today? You heard a lot of points. What is one thing you can take? Man, today, Rich, man, I'm going to start, you know what, I'm going to put together a plan to pay off my debt. I'm not going to have debt anymore. Or, man, maybe I'm going to start saving. Just, I'm going to save 5%. Any money that I get that comes in from my paycheck, I'm just going to save 5 or 10%. I'm going to save till I get $1,000. Whatever it is, take one step today. Think about it. I, the worst thing you can do, I, 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 uh, I hate this. Over all these years, I've been going to these conferences and spe- listening to speakers and this and that. And I'll sit there and take notes and it's great, whatever. If I don't go home and do something with it that day, by Wednesday I forget what the guy said. 
Or if I, I'll go to a conference and my wife will co- I'll come home. It's like, hey, how was that conference? It was good. It was so good. It was so rich. And she's like, well, what, what, are they, what did you learn? And we're like, man, it was so good. I loved it. it was, man, the guys, those speakers were so awesome. I thought it was, she's like, well what, did, well, what are you going to do about it? Like, man, it was so good, and I just can't, you know? And so, like, man, take something. Maybe this is a bigger thing, but just like, man, when you hear speakers, when you hear Jonathan on Sunday mornings, when you hear you're at, you're at a conference in, or at school, wherever it is, man, write something down and then go home and say, man, what can I do with that today? What can I do with that today? Put it in practice right away because you won't do it. I started doing that, and my life has changed. My life has changed just from doing that. Simple thing. And I feel like, man, I wasted 15 years of messages and stuff. I actually have gotten all my journals and stuff, and what I've been doing is going through them and re- reading all the old messages and conferences and going through and like, man, is there something I can take from this one? Like, let me, what is that, you know, and trying to take one thing. Because I've heard enough messages in my life. I should be a lot more transformed person. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's like, dang. Like, there's a lot of good stuff that I've heard over the years. You know that conference that you guys are going to have, uh, the, um, the end time church history one? I mean, this guy, Don Walker, that guy is a legit historian, like, knows his stuff. Like, you're going to leave there and be like, man, it's like drinking from a, from a fire hydrant. But what are you going to take from it? Do, do, think about that this week so that when you go, uh, is it next week? It's Saturday. It's Saturday. Like, you're ready to like, say, man, what can I get from this? Because, man, there's going to be so much good stuff, and you're going to be so overwhelmed. You're going to leave there like, man, that dude's so smart. He's so smart. He knows so much. I could never know that much. But just take one point. Take one thing and apply it. All right, let me pray. Father, just thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord God, that you want us to be freaky faithful. You want us to be good stewards. You want us to, to cultivate, um, to cultivate uh, good things, Lord God, good, good stewardship in our life. You want us to have a, a, a growth mindset, Lord God, to learn new things, to apply them, put them into practice. Not just hear them, be, not just be hearers of the word, but be doers, Lord God. That we would do what you've called us to do. That we would listen to your word and do it. Like, put it into practice today, Lord God. Thank you, Father God, for this opportunity to come together and to learn from your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.